Welcome to episode six of the Midtown Madness podcast with Zach Miller and Peter Hale. I'm, of course, Zach Miller, and I'm joined, as always, by Pete Hale. Pete, how's it going? I'm okay, Zach. I'm hanging in there. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, I, I think I texted you earlier today and I said, you know what? An NIT run could be fun. Um, well, the Billikens are postseason bound, uh, just not the postseason tournament we'd hoped for. Uh, we are uh, entering into the, uh, the A-10 Constellation Tournament. <laughs> um, so it seems we'll get into that in a, in a minute, but I think we should probably set the stage and, and go back to the beginning of this week and uh, kind of talk about the bubble watch rundown uh, because uh, it was a week of, uh, of, of – it was a roller coaster of a week, I think. Yeah, we – you know, being on the outside, knowing for so long in advance that, uh, that we didn't have an auto bid and we're going to be on the bubble, uh, it meant we had basically eight full days to kind of sit there and wait it out and watch all these other conference tournaments play out. So we needed a lot of things to break our way. And for a while, it looked like it was kind of going that way. Yeah, I, I think that might have helped soften the blow a little bit for Billiken fans, uh, just the way that it was kind of a slow burn to not making the tournament, um, you kind of saw things uh, unfolding, and it wasn't as though we were, you know, first out. Right. Um, yeah, it was. It, it was a tough week in that sense. It was really not until Saturday that we kind of um, that we kind of got a, a couple really unfavorable results. But before that, um, it was mostly in the multi-bid conferences, um, favorites were kind of taking care of business. Um, you know, in, in places like the Big Ten um, and, and, and some of the other conferences, the, um, the ACC, most, most of the conferences were kind of making it look safe, like there wouldn't be any bid stealers coming out. Uh, but then on Saturday, we did have kind of a few break the wrong way. Um, you know, when Georgetown beat, got to the Big East final and beat Creighton, and then the one I kept forgetting about out west because it was it was all happening so late yeah. was Oregon State in Colorado. Um, Oregon State the night before I thought Oregon was going to handle them, so that was kind of a, that was a tough one uh, to wake up to. Yeah, I, I saw uh, I, I saw a lot of people uh, kind of chiming in on that Creighton Georgetown game. A lot of people felt it was a little uh, uh, less than above board. Where do you where do you what do you think about that one? You mean like Creighton just kind of packed it in or something? <laughs> I mean, I, I had the I had the uh, conspiracy theory that the Big East was punishing Greg McDermott and also making amends with Patrick Ewing at the same time. It all fits. I mean, yeah, I mean, narratively, sure, <laughs> but uh, I mean, you got You're talking about coordinating too many people to make something like that happen. I think Georgetown just kind of started playing some good basketball this week, um, but no, but, I mean, before that, you know, we had. Um, both Colorado State and Utah State, who we were watching out in the Mountain West. The Mountain West, we had a lot of interest in because we also had Boise State, who did us a favor and lost right away in that tournament. And the way it shook out in the final bracket, it kind of looks like if Utah State and Colorado State had also lost in the first round, we might have been ahead of both of them because we wound up being so close to them in the end. Um, but they both wound up winning maybe one or in Utah State's game or Utah State's case, maybe two games, too many uh, for us to overcome. Um, so that, that, was, that, that was kind of an unfortunate one in the end in the Mountain West. Um, 
but uh, but then we also had the American where we were kind of sweating it a little bit with Memphis and with a couple other teams, uh, Cincinnati in the final, but Houston took care of business there. So that was good. And then we had, um, we had LSU um, who got all the way to the final of the SEC. And that was another one. It was kind of a double win for us because they're knocking out potential bid stealers along the way. Um, and then they're also strengthening that win that we had against them earlier this season, um, making it a more solid quad one win. It, it actually, I thought, kind of uh, made this past week kind of fun in a way and, and more fun yeah. than generally because uh, uh, I was more tuned into every game. I mean, I, I think I was like just completely locked into that Butler-Xavier game. Uh, I mean, the, I think there was a couple AAC games that we got really into. So yeah. it made it kind of fun and like, I'm kind of betting without putting money on the line. It's, it's emotional currency that I'm putting on the line. It's true. I, I, I think had we, you know, obviously we would have preferred that, but had we beaten Bonaventure and we're just sitting there for, for seven nights waiting for uh, VCU, um, we're not really caring as much about these other games because it's all about that, that one more game. And maybe had we beaten Bonaventure, um, that might have been enough to put us in too. Um, you know, being the the third alternate, we're just we're, we were so close. Yeah, I, I gotta admit though, I will I would have taken uh, gladly an NCAA tournament over a week of of, uh, of oh, yeah. championship week games that I was. Yeah, no question, no question. But it did it did give us more kind of um, you know interest throughout the week, uh, sweating every result like that. Uh, but let's talk about the uh, the end of the week for the A10. Let's go ahead and, and uh, talk about the, the A10 championship game. Uh, the Bonnies are your A10 champions. Uh, I'm personally happy about that because anytime VCU doesn't win something, that makes me happy. Uh, Pete, what did you think of this game and the Bonnies as uh, the conference representative? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the result either. I, I had a feeling going into the game, and I think most people did, that both teams were safe. And, um, you know, it, it, we've also seen on the Sunday games especially, I'm not sure how much impact, if both teams are safe, how much it has on seeding. So I'm not sure that would have moved the needle much for either team in terms of seed either. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with Bonaventure winning it all. You know, we knocked them out two years ago to win the thing. and, and um, I, I don't mind that they, they had it this time. I, I kind of like when the one seed in a conference wins the conference tournament. Mm -hmm. um, it just feels, especially in not, maybe not in the A-10 as much as in the one bid conferences, but it does feel like justice when that happens. And um, these were clearly the top two teams. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sad to see VC lose. Did you, did you uh, get a chance to watch the whole game? Uh, I watched most of it. Uh, it just, it, I think I knew uh, uh, Bonaventure had it kind of about 15 minutes into the first half. It just it didn't didn't feel like – I mean, I, you kind of – everybody, everything leading up to it, it was funny because everyone leading up to it was like, Mark Schmidt gets five days or seven days to prepare for VCU. It's over. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. And yeah. going into the game, I was just like, yeah, I'm confident in Bonaventure. I – I just don't see, you know, VCU. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, VCU didn't um, – they didn't shoot it particularly well. They were all right. Um, but it wasn't one of those games where, like, Bones went off um, necessarily. And he uh, had he, three he, fouls. Yeah, and he went to the free throw line a lot, got a lot done there. I mean, he still had his, his usual game. But, um, you know, he – 
he was a little turnover prone in this one too. So it was just kind of, uh, it wasn't his cleanest game. Not that VCU plays a clean game to begin with. Um, but it just kind of felt like a couple of our games this season where um, maybe like that first Dayton game, uh, we were just kind of held at arm's distance the whole time. And it kind of felt the same way here. VCU was never really out of it. Um, but I kind of felt like Bonaventure was going was gonna to be that team. Yeah. I, going into the bracket reveal, um, I don't think there's anything more we can really say or that our listeners really care about the A-10 championship game. Uh, but going into the bracket reveal, what percentage did you give – and we're talking about the NCAA bracket here – what percentage did you give the Billikens uh, going you in? You know, prob- going in – I mean, that, that's an answer that would change throughout the week. Right. You know? um, I was probably going into this week about 25% confident. And then over the course of the week, it kind of grew and grew mm-hmm. until um, – until last night and this morning. And I think I was back down to about 25 and I, I probably would be less than that, except for I, I thought, well, maybe we're just kind of one of those teams that they look at us and just go, they got screwed a couple ways um, by COVID this season. Everybody talks about the long layoff and how we had such a, you know, a longer one than anyone else came out of it, lost two games and, and maybe they wipe out that whole sort of five weeks or whatever. Um, but I think the other thing that kind of gets underrated about what COVID did this season is when you looked at what our schedule was going to be heading into this season, what we knew we had with that Orlando tournament, with some of the other non-conference games we had, and then what we ended up with in terms of our schedule. Yes, everyone lost games, but we, our strength of schedule took a, at least a 100-point hit. And I haven't, I haven't rerun the math postseason but just kind of based on preseason rankings and kind of what teams looked like last year, we easily dropped a hundred points in strength of schedule just because of that. So it's not just that we had fewer games plus the COVID layoff. Um, We already came out of the gate with, with fewer opportunities to get good wins. And I don't think that hit power conference teams as hard because the big 10 is still going to play all those other big 10 teams. Um, it's probably, and I, and I haven't looked for other teams in the A10 or the American or the Mountain West, but I think that's the level um, where the programs probably get hit the hardest in terms of strength of schedule. I had an idea uh, going into this podcast that I was going to give both of us a chance to blame one thing specifically for the the bill that that the Billikens couldn't control for not getting into the NCAA tournament, just to whine about it for one second and then move on to the the real reason why the Billikens didn't make the tournament. Uh, So go ahead and give me your one reason, your, your big scapegoat that isn't anybody around the Billikens. I think that would be it. I think it would just be the strength of schedule hit. Um, Had even had in a compressed schedule, had we been able to kind of keep some of those same opponents that we had and, and we kept a couple, but, but most of them we lost. Um, if we had been able to maintain that, that solid of a non-conference schedule, um, we would have had more road games. We would have had more quad one games. Um, and we, we wound up losing all of that. And I think, you know, again, everybody wants to point to the COVID layoff, but I think that's probably an even bigger factor because a lot of teams had to shut down this season. So um, whether they had to shut down as long as we did or, you know, some teams – you know, like my, my wife's a Xavier fan, they had to shut down three different times. So they, they wound up having almost as long a time off as we did. So, um, you know, I, I, I hate to just say, oh, that's it because, uh, because everybody had to deal with it to some extent. So I, I think my scapegoat is just 
we we did we could couldn't point to the schedule and say you know look look at everything we accomplished so the, so that's mine what what's yours i'm going with tv teddy valentine he cost us an ncaa tournament bid flat out flat out but yeah. uh now we're on to serious talk um we saw leading up to the ncaa tournament selection show a lot of the billiken the official billiken outlets really campaigning um Travis Ford, you know, pointed to the COVID shutdown many, many times, uh, pointed to the hardships this team went through, um, looking to garner sympathy. And we all know why. That's totally fair. I do not – I can't fault him for, for doing his best to sell the program. That's what he does day in, day out when he recruits. However, I, is it time for him to – at the end of the NIT, is it, is it time for him to take ownership – of the games did is it time for him to take ownership as the coach and as the team in general for a season where we had the most talented team the deepest team and we didn't make the ncaa tournament yeah i mean like i said there's a lot of other teams that had to deal with COVID and and other you know all the issues that came with it so yeah i think I would like to see him kind of own up to a little bit more of this about how, how what we could have done differently and, and, and how we didn't execute in certain ways. Um, I kind of look at our losses and it, you could take out any one, just one, any one of those losses. And it really changes the narrative of, of the season. It probably changes our resume quite a bit. Um, you know, we lost to Dayton twice. You take one of those out and we look a lot better. Um, that, that LaSalle was uh, loss was obviously a bad one. If we have that Minnesota one, well then, you know, we're going into non-conference undefeated. We're going into the COVID pause undefeated and we have that, we have a nice road win. Um, any, any one throughout the season, VCU on the road or Bonaventure to get into the A-10 final. It, it's, it, it's really such a fine line because you grab any one of those and the whole narrative changes. So the, th- the, the big hesitation I have about blaming all the external factors is, after those first two losses coming off the COVID pause, um, neither of which were blowouts, but we looked pretty flat and pretty, you know, not very good. We played great defense in the next four games, rattled off a four-game winning streak before then losing again. So I kind of I wonder, like, we, st- we lost games after that four-game mm-hmm. winning streak, you know, and that we, we were capable of playing good basketball after the COVID pause, clearly, because we did for two-plus weeks. Um, so what happened in the games after that, you know, uh, I, I just don't understand, um, you know, execution in a few of those. So I, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to look back at this era of Goodwin and French and four years of those guys and a, a lot of bad luck and a lot of external circumstances that no one could have foreseen and that that's not on them. But at the same time, all we have to show for it is one tournament appearance and it was you know it was a blowout loss so that's that's a pretty tough pill to swallow it's kind of amazing to look at uh this this program sorry somebody just called me and it went into my headphones and it just completely got me just shaken up um but you look at this program in the last 20 years and and maybe even less, but you have a uh, Rick Majerus comes to town, 
He pulls in these recruit these you know this team. He, he builds this team. You go to the CBI finals, and then what? Ha- the off the court issue happens. Um, you have uh, Travis Ford come in comes in. He builds a team. Well, sorry, Rick Majerus passes away, and now you have Jim Cruz, who, for better or for worse, for no for for lack of a better word, tanked the program. You bring in Travis Ford, uh, who brings in these great recruits. We're ready to go. Then you have another off the court issue. Then you win an NCAA or you win an A10 championship. Uh, you look ready to potentially repeat it in 2020. COVID happens, and then it just extends into 20. This program, man, I, I hate. I hate people who blame the shit on curses, but man, it's stacking up all around us. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's always a setback. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always a setback. You know, COVID COVID hit everybody. Yeah, we you know as much as last year, we would have liked to think, oh man, a third shot at Dayton. We were playing our best basketball going into the A10 tournament. Um, we were pretty optimistic at that point, but we still did have to win a few. I don't know if we were in, we weren't an at large team going into the tournament. We still needed to do something in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the third, if, had we won the first round and then, or the, I guess it would have been the second round and then, uh, beaten Dayton on our, on our third attempt, I think that would have been enough. Um, but we still had work to do. So it wasn't, it wasn't a guaranteed thing. And, and, and Lord knows with this program, you, <laughs> you, you don't know that we would have won that first game either. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I hate the age old adage we hear on the, on the message board. I, I hate it. You know it. It's Joe. Oh, that's just, just hard work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it is though. It is. I mean, when we both had, we've both been this our whole lives. So, I know. so we know as well as anyone. Um, I don't know though. I, I it's, I, I will say though, I, I would like to see Ford just kind of own up a little bit and stop trying to uh, come up with scapegoats for it because a lot of other teams have had to deal with worse stuff. I mean, think about Dayton last season. They, you know, they had a lot more heartbreak than we did. But. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they deserve, they should, I can't believe they didn't keep whining. Like they took the high road. I am so impressed by how they have taken the fan base included. I mean, the fan base could, could whine until the cows come home and it wouldn't be enough for what they had to deal with. Um, Let's, so the the Billikens are in the NIT. Um, Yeah. Awesome. It's fun. Uh, It's going to be fun. Uh, We have a history in the NIT. Um, and uh, we get uh, Jalen Johnson and the Mississippi yeah. State Bulldogs. Yeah, there's, a, there's kind of a – it's a team I don't know a whole lot about. Um, but, there, yeah, there's a little fun narrative there to see him. So, um, you know, I see a team that's at one game above 500 coming out of the SEC, and I'm not, like, su- on paper super afraid of that or anything. Um, but uh, but I don't know. I guess I have to look at the matchup a little bit closer. Do you know a whole lot about him? You know what? I, I, the only reason I know that Jalen Johnson is still active at that on that team is because Jack Raboyne texted it to me right before I tweeted it out. So yeah, you thank you to Jack. Uh, like I, I follow probably Ole Miss closer than I follow Mississippi State. I uh, it's so funny. I've noticed in the A10 Twitter verse that a lot of these accounts for other teams have like secondary teams that they're done. Like Belk right. report is tweeting about Michigan. And I'm just like, Oh, weird. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, 
uh, Mississippi State lost to Dayton early in the season, uh, 85-82 in uh, two OT. That was over hoops giving. Right. Um, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, they they dropped in, they took an L to Liberty. Uh, they've beaten Texas State, North Texas. Uh, that's an NCAA tournament team. Jackson State. Uh, they beat eighty-two fifty-nine. Uh, oh, here's a common opponent: Central Arkansas. Uh, an eighty-one sixty-five win in Starkville. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, they beat Mizzou. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to have a uh to do a deep dive each of us and then uh yeah and and reconvene for an nit special uh, <laughs> i did i literally we like we commit like i told you straight up when you start when you joined on that like i think a, a once a week is fine and then now like we have to do like special episodes yeah yeah time, yeah so. no i mean the, the, i know mississippi state they um johnson is kind of uh i think he comes in off the bench for them he's kind of a yeah. He's like their fifth leading scorer. Yeah, here's their so, – so they've got a big three. Uh, Iverson Molinar is their leading scorer, and they've got a couple other guys who are, are the bulk of their production. And then you drop down to a guy scoring six points a game, and then Johnson's giving them five points a game. Um, so they, they, it looks like they're kind of top-heavy in terms of uh, their scoring production anyway. Um, They've got a guy way down the roster, Anderson Garcia. And if I remember correctly, Slew, no, yeah, Slew may have uh, recruited him at some point. He's a, out of the Dominican Republic. So I, I recognize that name. But otherwise, yeah, I've got to do a little more homework on this team. Uh, so apparently they have a, uh, a guy from Missouri, from Grandview, Missouri, which I've never heard of. Uh, it's out by Kansas City. Okay, it's in Jackson. Okay, that makes sense why we've never heard him because we don't recruit Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, not really. Very often. Um, but, yeah, that's so wild that we're going to end up playing uh, Jalen Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it uh, later this week, maybe a, maybe a Thursday drop or a Friday drop or something like that uh, before I head down to Dallas. What? Did I drop that? Oh, oh darn. Yeah, tell us a little more about that. Uh, I just, uh, I, I thought I had a friend in, or at least one, I thought I had specific, I was thinking of specific people in Dallas that I knew, uh, and I booked a flight and bought two tickets to the NIT tournament, and my friends live in Austin, so that's fun. Uh, so I got to figure that one out. If you're in the Dallas area, hook a brother up with some lodging. Uh, but uh, I guess we, yeah, we'll, we'll leave the men's team alone uh, until we can do an NIT special episode. We'll break down the bracket. Uh, maybe have a guest on uh, as well. Yeah, I think one thing we didn't cover before, and we probably should, our first game in the NIT, Slew's first game would, uh, against Mississippi State would be on the 20th. Um, yeah, and we are the third alternate um, for the NCAA tournament. Louisville being the first, Colorado State is second, and then we're number three. Ole Miss is number four, meaning that in the next four, I think it's in the next 48 hours here, right? Mm -hmm. um, if any team in the field has to drop out due to coronavirus related issues, um, we, we would be number three on that list. So, um, I, actually, I, I don't think it's 48 hours from now. I think it's within 48 hours. So, um, until we play, you know, that NIT game, I guess, I guess anything could still happen. So it, we'll, we'll be watching closely to see if anybody drops out of the NCAA field. Uh, I think it should be noted on that uh, on that topic that uh, our 
Twitter poll. Uh, would you be content if St. Louis men's basketball were to receive an NCAA tournament bid as an alternate team due to a team dropping out because of COVID? Uh, we didn't get any reasons for no, uh, which is interesting. I thought I was hoping for some really fun uh, reasonings why not, but we got 87.3% of Billiken fans saying yes uh, and 12.7% saying no. How do you, what do you, what do you think of that one? Yeah, I, I struggle to think of what the no's would be for. Is it just, you know, is it pride or, or, and, and people like to put asterisks on certain records or whatever, but I kind of feel like, like, look, this is the landscape the way it is this year. And if that's how we get in, that's how we get in. Um, I think I used this example before, but if somebody makes an all-star team because another player who got voted in is injured, um, they still, when they, in the wake of their career, they say he was a three-time all-star. They don't say he was a two-time, you know, legit all-star and one-time, you know, alternate all-star. So if you're in the tournament, you're in the tournament. Um, I, I don't really, of course I would take it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I'd love to see the timestamps on like the no votes. Cause I'm yeah. just imagining like a drunk, a drunk Billiken fan. No, no, I'm not taking yeah. it. That's it. right. Yeah. I, I, if you think it through, there's, there's really, I, I can't imagine there's any reason not to take it. Um, moving on though. Uh, to, it's a little worse heartbreak. Uh, if you're following the women's basketball team, uh, they're going to finish the season 12 and four overall nine and three. Uh, they, did eke out a, a close win in their first A-10 tournament game, uh, 59-58 against Richmond, but dropped uh, the next to a seven-player UMass team, uh, hot shooting UMass team, 90-81. to 81. Uh, This was uh, a brutal ending to the Billiken season. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I felt really good, too, because Richmond kind of scared me because of how I, I knew they could really defend. And uh, the last game was a defensive battle um, that SLU gutted out in the end. Um, but seeing this one kind of go to overtime and SLU take it, another defensive battle um, really heartened me. You know, they kept the, the win streak going, and I thought – by drawing UMass and not Fordham on the other side, that, that, I mean, that was just, you couldn't have asked for a better break from that. And then um, they had a couple of players who just couldn't miss. Yeah. Breen is just an outstanding player. Uh, yeah. And Philoxy too. I think they both had 28 points. That's right. Um, yeah. uh, Breen just was, Breen did what to the Billikens, what uh, Dwayne Evans did to New Mexico state. Mm. Hung out in that soft spot and just knocked down shots from the free throw line all night or the elbow. It was, yeah. it was just, you just put your head. It was one of those where every time she'd get the ball, she'd go up, make it. It was just over and over and over. It was on repeat. Um, I, I don't know what Stone could have done different in this one. Uh, I thought uh, UMass outplayed us on the defensive end. I thought their defense was outstanding. I thought they had a great game plan. Uh, they ran zone pretty much all game, uh, but it just didn't seem like I – th I thought at one point uh, Julia Martinez in the middle of the zone was working really well, and then I guess, you know, UMass made an adjustment, and that was that. So. Yeah, I mean, SLU gave themselves some opportunities. They, they wound up getting a good amount of offensive rebounds too. Um, they turned it over a little more than you like to see. Um, but, you know, they shot okay. They, you're right. I mean, there's not really any part of their game where you kind of point at and go, this is what they did wrong. I think they, they ran into two players who were just 
when you get a combined 56 points out of, out of two players in a night, you know it's just their night. Um, so that's it's frustrating. It's a little hard to take. And it would have been a really nice um, – I don't even want to say consolation, but it would have been a really nice um, outcome for SLU to, to – uh, you know, to win this one and get back and get a shot to go to their first tournament ever. I mean, how, how great would that have been if, you know, with the men fighting it out and not knowing if they're going to make it right on the bubble um, to know that the women are in would have just been beautiful. Uh, yeah. I, it, it, it bummed me out yesterday way more yeah. than uh, it probably should have, but you know, it, they did turn it over a lot. Um, I just, it broke right too because VCU made the final and the Billikens would be. Oh, I can't even. I know. Yeah. And, it, you know, SLU split against UMass um, in the regular season. Um, they, I think they actually played them back to back, didn't they? At home at Chaffetz, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so last time, you know, they lost to UMass. It was their, their scoring was a lot more spread out. I think it was just um, probably not as well played a game for SLU. SLU couldn't make anything in that one. It was just kind of an ugly game. Um, but then they, they, they came back and beat them two nights later. Um, but yeah, both at Chaffetz. I, I think sometimes you get these teams that only play seven players and it's almost that like their content, their continuity overwhelms uh, depth. Sometimes, sure. you know, having a rhythm and not being subbed in and out, uh, you know, it can affect a, a team with depth's rhythm, whereas a team yeah. that runs, you know, that runs three players 40 minutes a game, you know, like the Bonavent, like the Bonnies. In yeah, I was going to say, they're, they're like the Bonaventure of the, yeah. the women's team. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird how that works, you know, a la the Billikens in 2019. Yeah. Uh, you, ran, you know, just a lot more rhythm. Uh, you get more time out on the court. You get into a groove and get comfortable. Um, yeah. So no, probably no postseason for them. I don't see them getting an NIT bid. I don't think they're anywhere near that. Um, so yeah, um, we got men's soccer. Um, men men improved to six and two uh, overall, one and zero oh in their in conferences. They won their conference opener two zero uh, against Dayton. Uh, this was domination from the beginning uh, to the end for the most part. Uh, Goals in the third minute. Uh, John Klein with a beautiful headed goal, uh, and Christian Buendia in the 48th minute. Uh, it was an absolute rocket from the outside of the box of a Dayton clearing attempt that did not make it out. Uh, this was a great yeah. game. Yeah, great to see. Um, good, to, good to get off to a good start in the A10. And um, when you score that early in each half, it's it just really sets the tone. This is one I didn't get to watch, but followed along on Twitter, and it was it was. It was just pretty cool to see those coming in so quick. So, um, yeah, great win. And then they'll, uh, they'll go up against Bonaventure next. I got a text from a soccer alum uh, who said it looks like 73 out there. So uh, he thought it looked like vintage Billikens. So there that's, you go. that's yeah. good to hear from someone in the know. Yeah, for uh, sure. They got St. Bonaventure up next. Weird time for this game uh, on Wednesday, uh, 4 p.m. start. So if you're catching it towards the end of the workday uh, and then Bonaventure, or I'm sorry, then Duquesne on Saturday, the 20th, I think that's what that, yeah. Uh, and that's to be determined for the time. Uh, women's soccer uh, has improved to six and one on the season, uh, one and zero in conference with a, uh, a nail biter. I mean, this, 
this couldn't get any closer of a, of a win or of this couldn't have gotten any closer to a tie uh, than it was as the Billikens win one Oh uh, in overtime with five seconds remaining uh, in that second overtime period. Did you catch this finish? No, I didn't. But as soon as I read about it, it reminded me of the Marquette win against the men's team um, earlier this season. That was kind of a buzzer beater in overtime that put them away. So it's, it's nice to be on the, uh, on, the, on the good end of this one. But it seems like um, SLU kind of dominated every facet of this game and just couldn't put it away. It might have been one of the, the most dominant soccer games I've ever seen. Like, at, kind of like where both teams are competitive against each other, but also like the one team's just on a completely different level, if that makes sense. So like – Sure. You're thinking like think of like a World Cup game where like the U.S. is playing uh, Cameroon, right? In women's soccer, like it's just it was that much of a domination. I I think the Billikens had upwards of forty shots towards the net. Um, yeah, the box the box score shows they outshot them forty to two. That is just <laughs> I and I was just waiting for that third shot too. They put 12 on net. Um, so, I mean, credit to Bonaventure's goalie. In this the ball. Bonaventure's goalie had a lot to do. And I, like I said, I was waiting for that third shot to be Bonaventure's first goal. I, was, I think the two shots were at the start of overtime in the, second, the, the first overtime. Mm. They had, I don't think they had a shot in regulation. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They were both in the first overtime. Yeah, wow. he, yeah they didn't have a shot in regulation. So but this, this um, thank, thank God they pulled this one out because you hate to see <laughs> such a, 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 a lopsided. I mean, I mean, anything can happen and you know, yes. I don't like soccer, but something that lopsided, you've, you've got to put it away. So hopefully the um, experience of this one has them a little more, uh, uh, you know, clear, clear eyed and efficient going into the next game. Uh, 19 corner kicks to St. Bonaventure's one. Uh, I got, I, I have to say this had the most mad scrambles in the six yard box of any soccer game I've ever seen uh, mm-hmm. that Bonaventure just miraculously cleared off the line or hit the post. Um, so, but th- I mean, it, I, in hand up, I gotta be, I gotta admit this to all the Billiken fans out there uh, with 20 seconds left St. Bonaventure had a goal kick. I actually had to run errands. So I left uh, with 20 seconds to go and missed the goal live so yeah I'm, I'm kicking myself for that uh, <laughs> um just things aren't breaking right for zach these days men's basketball you know but uh, uh they have dayton on thursday uh at 3 p.m so again a, a late workday game you can catch on espn plus uh and then duquesne on the 21st at 11 a.m early early wake up call again for that one uh, women's volleyball uh, went on the road today and took a 3-0 loss uh, to Kansas State. Uh, yeah, it wasn't any, not really much to go on about there. Uh, they will take on VCU uh, back-to-back on the 19th and 20th uh, here in St. Louis. Uh, that'll be a tough one for them. Baseball uh, is at is now at uh, – let's see. I had 3-11 prior to today's game, and I believe they picked up the win today. So that puts them at four and eleven, um, with a two-one loss to Mizzou. That's that's promising, though. That's a promising result. Yeah, they played them a lot closer than I expected in that one. And then, um, you know, the, the losing to Western Illinois eleven to nothing yesterday, and then coming back and beating them fourteen to nothing today. So, 
maybe, you know, taking, taking that series with a big win on, on the, the rubber match and playing Mizzou close, maybe they're kind of going to turn a corner here. Yeah, baseball's oh, – college baseball, man. It is so weird because it's so dependent on your pitching. And sure. there are – anytime you get like, – if you get, out, get to a team's bullpen, you can come back from 20 to nothing. It's it's right. that wild. It is insane. So even in a game like that against Western Illinois, uh, where you're up, you know, you're down or up 10-0, you know, anything can happen if you can get to a bullpen. So uh, college baseball yeah. is so wild, just because it's such an individualist sport as far as statistics go outside of defense. Um, yeah, they they handled Mizzou by committee. Um, everybody pitched three innings in that one. Well, so staff um, game is they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so um, you know, they, I guess they can kind of throw some different looks out there um, if they don't have that kind of ace, um, you know, that you kind of need in college baseball. Uh, just a little note, a quick note again, or not again, but on softball, um, they uh, they improved to five and eight uh, after this weekend. They went. Uh, a nice looking uh, four and one in their five games this weekend with the only loss coming to Western Illinois, uh, five, four. So a close loss, which is good. Uh, but they won one Oh and six, five against Western Illinois and then four, uh, one. And then they won today pretty close as well. I don't have that note because it just happened. Um, 11, nine. So yeah, um, yeah good, good weekend for the softball team. Uh, I finally got a chance to catch field hockey in action. Uh, I was pretty excited about this one, way more excited than I think anyone else on this, uh, in this city. Uh, but the, they took a tough loss to Davidson. Uh, it kind of it, – it, it in a way mirrored that women's soccer game, uh, only opposite. We were, we were dominated for most of the game. Uh, I think we only had one penalty corner, uh, which I don't even know how to get a penalty corner. I'm going to learn, though. I'm going to figure that one out. Uh, but it's fun to watch. I, I hadn't watched field hockey in quite a number of years, probably since the last Olympics. <laughs> well, uh, you know, at least SLU's putting out a better team this year. So th they're definitely going to be more interesting to watch and follow along with. So uh, yeah. I kid you not, I believe, and I, let, me, let me just fact check this one because we're, we're, we're a factual podcast here. Uh, but – at one point during the broadcast, and by the way, I want to shout out Fordham's broadcast. Uh, their announcer was fantastic. So uh, good on him. I don't have his name, but he was, uh, he was really, really good uh, as far as ESPN Plus uh, campus-produced uh, broadcasts go. But he said that in, last, in the last season, the Billikens only scored four goals the entire season. So they're already much better than last yes. year. Yes, yeah. yes. So it was actually one, three, four, six, seven, eight goals the entire season. Eight goals. Wow. In a in a seventeen game season. Yeah, that's got, that's miserable. They got shut out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11 times, uh, including a 2-0 loss at Davidson. So um, margin of victory, they're not getting better, but they put one past the Davidson goalkeeper this year. So, you know, we, we've, got, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got movement towards, um, 
we've got movement forward. So I'm, I'm happy uh, for that team and I'm happy for this new coach. It seems like she, she gets it. Uh, so see where it heads. So okay. uh, any, uh, anything you think we should cover before uh, we let the fans, uh, the Billiken fans get ready for the NIT? No, I think that's it, Zach. I think we covered it. Just, uh, just follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter, Midtown Mad Pod, uh, at Peter is a tweeter, uh, and uh, at Zach Miller, MMP. And I think we should shout out uh, West Pine Bills because uh, they gave us a strong endorsement. They gave you a strong endorsement specifically. Um, the, I, I got to look and see what the tweet said. It was uh, someone was looking, Jack Godar was looking for recruiting news. And mid, uh, I'm sorry, West Pine Bill said, Midtown Mad Pod is the best slew recruiting account. Pistol is the most plugged in recruiting guy in the whole fan base. So, well, there you uh, go. Yeah. High, so, high, high marks price. for you. Uh, which, hey, I, there, there's, I can't spot a lie in that tweet. So, um, yeah, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, and we look forward to, uh, to getting back to you with, uh, with a little bit more uh, in-depth NIT preview. That's right. There's more basketball to play. So, yeah, let's have fun while it lasts. And hopefully I'll be able to generate some content in Dallas while I'm down there running amok. I'm looking forward to our Twitter account when that's, uh, when that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Peter, again for joining me. It's always, always, always fun. Um, and I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. Go Bills. Go Bills.